During my time of uh, sabbatical, the past uh, three months, I also took some opportunity during that time to uh, do uh, some reading on Sabbath. So over the next three Sundays and then Thanksgiving Day, we're going to reflect together on uh, four, uh, four themes that Marva Dawn uh, points out on, uh, on Sabbath. Uh, ceasing, resting, embracing, and feasting. So we'll be talking about those four themes over the next uh, three Sundays and uh, on Thanksgiving Day. And so today we'd like to look at that theme of ceasing, and I'm going to read uh, from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5, just in the Ten Commandments given there in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the commandment with respect to the Sabbath day. And as we prepare to hear God's word, let's pray together. Lord our God, you give us your word to direct us, to guide us, and to help us to discover you and to know more about ourselves. So as we hear your word this morning, we pray that it would be uh, lodged into our hearts and that it would uh, take effect in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus, your word who became flesh. Amen. Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox or your donkey, nor any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And then also in uh, Exodus uh, chapter 31, uh, beginning at verse 12, uh, God also gave instruction regarding the Sabbath uh, to Israel as they were gathered uh, in the wilderness. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it's holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. In most states, there are these signs that you'll find at intersections. They're red. They are an octagon in shape. They have one word in white against the red background. Most police, highway patrol, sheriff, or DMV driving testers know what it means. At the intersection, your wheels must come to a halt. No forward motion, speedometer at zero. However, in California, many drivers find this sign to be superfluous. Many drivers roll past the sign with barely a pause, except perhaps in Ripon. I'm sure all residents of Ripon abide by the sign to make sure that the way is clear and then they proceed. There is a command 
that God gives. It's one of the ten highlighted by God when Israel was on the way to the promised land. In listing the ten, this command takes up the most print space. God says, observe the Sabbath day. Basically, what God means is stop. The name Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. The primary meaning of this word is to cease or desist. God's instruction in Exodus says, For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest holy to the Lord. The phrase, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, is a day of Sabbath rest, literally is a day of Shabbat Shabbaton. That is a Sabbath of complete rest. Or better, a Sabbath of complete desisting. The writer of Exodus gives us a reason for this day of complete rest. We're told, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Many Hebrew scholars translate that last phrase as, God ceased and was refreshed. And God wasn't tired. God finished creation and then ceased creating. Next week, we'll talk more about the resting of Sabbath. But today, we're simply reminded that God stopped. And God invites us to stop. No, there are two versions of the Ten Commandments. There's a version in Exodus 20 and a version in Deuteronomy 5. There's some differences between the two versions, but the major difference occurs in this commandment. The Deuteronomy version gives us a different reason for God's calling to ceasing than the Exodus version does. Here's the rationale in the Exodus version. On it you shall not do any work, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. But the Deuteronomy rationale is different. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Exodus roots Sabbath in creation. But Deuteronomy is all about liberation from slavery. Exodus looks back toward Eden. Deuteronomy looks at Egypt. Exodus calls God's people to imitate God's example. Deuteronomy invite God's people to take hold of God's work of deliverance. Remember the Sabbath because you are a freed people. Deuteronomy points back toward God's word in history to remind us of our redemption. Once we were slaves. The Deuteronomy reason for Sabbath keeping is based on the fact that for 400 years, Israel lived without a break. Never a day off. No vacations. Eugene Peterson notes the consequence. They were no longer considered persons, but slaves, hands, work units. Not persons created in the image of God, but equipment for making brick and building pyramids. Humanity was defaced. Pharaoh laughed at the idea of ceasing work. Moses said, let my people go. And Pharaoh's response was to make sure they had no time on their hands. Make brick without straw. They would never be free from work. Day in and day out, there was no question, Israel was to work. 
Rest was for pharaohs. Rest was for other people. The Hebrew people had one focus. Build monuments to Pharaoh's greatness. Accomplish what Pharaoh wanted. Israel was to produce or die trying. Taskmasters were placed over Israel to make sure they kept up with Pharaoh's demands. And if you wanted to take a breather, catch a break, come to a stop, well, they had whips to keep you rolling. That was life before God's liberation. But God removed all these taskmasters. With plagues and a drowning at sea, God removed the scourge of Pharaoh and his like. Remember? Remember the Sabbath day, because once upon a time, you used to be slaves. But not anymore. Now no one is anyone's chattel. We are slaves to nothing. We are not slaves to any institution, to any boss, to any corporation, to any corporate ideal, to any cultural expectation. No more taskmasters. God acts in grace. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of. God invites us into freedom. You shall have no other gods before me. The only God is not a taskmaster. Only God is the God who frees. Our God is a God of grace. The Deuteronomy command doesn't want us to revive what God has put to death. When you refuse to cease, to stop, you're living as if you still have taskmasters in your life. We act as if someone is looking over our shoulder, ready to pounce, if you even think of slowing down. B&H Photo, located in New York, is the largest non-chain photo and video equipment store in the United States. The owners are Hasidic Jews. Even though thousands of people pass through their front door every day, 70% of their business is online. But B&H won't conduct business on the Sabbath. They close at 1 p.m. on Fridays, and they stay closed all day Saturday. On the Sabbath, people can visit their website. You can place items in your cart or on your wish list, but you will not be able to check out until 6 p.m. on Saturday. When someone asks the director of communications at B&H why they close not only their retail store, but their website on Black Friday, the busiest shopping day of the year, the reply was simple. We respond to a higher authority. Slaves don't rest. They can't. Slaves are not free to stop. Slaves only have taskmasters. Sabbath, however, is a refusal to go back to Egypt. Sabbath is simple. Sabbath means stop. Cease and desist, for we're under a higher authority. But what are we to stop? What are we to cease from? 
Marva Dawn, in her book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, points to some helpful things we're called to cease. But before we look at that list, let me just clarify. Usually when we talk Sabbath, we're talking about a day. For the Jews, this was sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. For most Christians, it means Sunday. Whether you talk about evening to evening, daybreak to daybreak, midnight to midnight, Sabbath is God's gift of a day to us. But Sabbath also refers to an attitude. Mark Buchanan helps us note with this. He notes, Sabbath is a perspective, an orientation. I mean a Sabbath heart, not just a Sabbath day. A Sabbath heart is restful even in the midst of unrest and upheaval. It is attentive to the presence of God and others, even in the welter of much coming and going, rising and falling. You will never enter the Sabbath day without a Sabbath heart. So with that in mind, let's consider some of the things we cease so that our perspective is reoriented. What must we cease to gain a Sabbath heart? Well, the most obvious obvious thing we're to cease is work. Now, let's not be mistaken. Work is not wrong. Work rightly understood is our worship to God. We work for the glory of God. Not that we experience this every day. Honestly, most of us dislike our jobs. That is, we experience the curse of work in our jobs, no matter how good our work is. We experience the fact that God made our work toilsome. Our work is a gift, but it can be frustrating. And we can complain about it. And we fret about work. And we recover from our work. We load ourselves with guilt when we sense that we don't do enough work. We carry resentment around when we feel like we're doing too much work. Still, most of us are obsessed with our jobs. Our work consumes us. In fact, many of us have this little taskmaster residing in our heads. Even though God drowned all our taskmasters in the Red Sea... We help them survive. As Mark Buchanan notes, the moment we cease working, they jump into action. There's a voice that barks inside our heads whenever we try to step away from our day's work. What do you think you're doing? Don't you know there's a whole pile of things that have to get done? Get off your lazy backside and get busy. Look, your office is a mess. Clean it up. There's dirty dishes in the sink. They won't wash themselves. Do you think the grass will stop growing? Are you going to just ignore those text messages, those emails, that homework? The house needs cleaning. The closets need organizing. And when's the last time you cleaned out your gutters? Taskmasters, despite the fact that whenever we try to take a break, they enter our heads, they come in, and many of us carry them around all the time. But God offers a solution. Stop. Cease your work. Let the taskmasters drown. God offers us a Sabbath rhythm, not as legalistic duty, but as a time to put off the taskmasters. Sabbath ceasing allows us a day to completely enjoy God's presence, free to play before the face of God. Which means we can also cease being prey to productivity and accomplishment. 
I mean, let's face it. Our culture judges us based on what we produce. One of the first questions we often ask someone we meet is, what do you do? We gauge a person's worth by virtue of a perceived sense of their accomplishment. Sabbath invites us to quit the endless task of trying to produce. For this day, we can put aside the pervasive drive to produce or accomplish. Of course, when we begin putting this aside, our whole attitude begins to change. We begin to gain perspective on what truly matters. We're able to place less emphasis on the things we do as we realize the importance of what God is doing in us. Before I left on sabbatical, I mentioned to some people I was feeling like I was in the business of God. I felt like I was dealing in God experiences. What I was longing for and what sabbatical time brought back for me was a sense of God being in my life. I felt less concerned about what I was doing for God and paid a bit more attention to what God was doing in me. I was reminded again that I'm precious and I'm honored because God loves me. Not because of what I produce for God. Not because of what I produce for anybody else. But simply because God loves me. Not only do we leave behind our obsession with productivity and accomplishment, we can begin to feel less anxious, worried, and tense. Sabbath is a time for us to mind the, the, to have the mind of Christ and have it begin to rule in us. Gathered with God's people in worship offers us a different perspective on life. I like what Marva Dawn says. The Sabbath is not a running away from problems, but the opportunity to receive the grace to face them. We don't take Sabbath to run away from life. No, we take Sabbath so that we're equipped with the grace to engage life gracefully. And Sabbath grace then flows with us out into the rest of the week. As in worship, we're able to give thanks to God despite all of the anxieties of our lives and our weeks. So in my week, my anxieties can be eased as I find those things each day for which I'm grateful, for which I discover God's grace in my life. On their way to the promised land through the wilderness, the people of Israel let their anxieties overwhelm them. At the foot of Mount Sinai, Immediately after Moses had spoken to them about Sabbath, the people were overcome with anxiety by Moses' absence. So what did they do? They gathered all their gold, their most treasured commodity, and they made a god to their liking. They sought to purchase their security from worry and anxiety by creating their own god. People forgot that they didn't have to do more, sell more, control more, know more, get their kids involved in more. They could cease because the coercive rules of Pharaoh were left behind. They were freed from their anxieties, from the worries, the tensions of slavery. They were freed by God's grace. Walter Brueggemann notes, those who remember and keep Sabbath find that they're less driven, less coerced, less frantic to meet deadlines, free to be rather than to do, 
Because Sabbath is the great festival of freedom when Pharaoh and all coercive expectations are dismissed. Sabbath frees us from anxious striving. In addition, because Sabbath stands in contrast to many of the values of our world, we can use Sabbath to cease our captivity to the culture around us. There's many ways we can be captive to culture, and none may be more true than our use of technology. A second grade teacher once asked her students to name something they wished had never been invented. Four of her students wished cell phones had never been created. In a large international survey of over 6,000 parents and children from around the world, over half of the children said their parents checked their phones too frequently. So how do we as Christians stand in contrast to the values of our world? How can we show another way? Perhaps it's as simple as putting our phones away. During my sabbatical, we tried to faithfully observe Sabbath by marking out Sabbath time. On Saturday evening, we would light candles and say a Sabbath prayer to welcome the Sabbath. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. You sanctify us with your commandments, and you command us to kindle the Sabbath lights. And then on Sunday evening, we'd bring our Sabbath to a close with a lighting of a candle and then some prayers to close our Sabbath time. Prayers in which we both observed what we enjoyed in the past 24 hours and what we were looking forward to in the next week. Once we said our Saturday evening welcome of the Sabbath prayer, I put my phone away. I wasn't 100% successful, I know that's true. But for most of Sunday, I wasn't tethered to my phone. Andy Crouch, in a book called The TechWise Family, speaks of technology Sabbaths. And he encourages us to take an hour a day, a day a week, and a week a year to cease from unnecessary technology use. Perhaps we could covenant with our families that the hour around a supper will put our phones away and our Apple watches away so that we can convey the message that people are more important to us than technology. The bottom line for all our Sabbath ceasing is that we will refuse to try to be God or to have other gods. Sabbath reminds us that we don't have to struggle to produce or be anxious about our lives or live under other taskmasters like our phones. Sabbath reminds us to let God be God of our lives. Now, that doesn't mean sit around and do nothing. That's not Sabbath. I like Mark Buchanan's take on Sabbath. Sabbath ceasing imitates God to remind ourselves we are not God. And so we engage in many other things as creatively as God engaged in many other things. What Sabbath ultimately does, though, is help to affirm our identity. Sabbath ceasing helps us realize whose we are. We belong to our Father. God's word to the Israelites through Moses was, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. The Sabbath is a sign that the Lord has made us holy. That is, that the Lord has set us apart for himself. That's what the word holy means, set apart. 
were freed, were liberated to be God's own. Keeping Sabbath helps us avoid an identity crisis. In other arenas of life, we're defined by what we do. But Sabbath reorients us. Sabbath is a sign of God's grace to us. Observing Sabbath affirms our dignity. We're made holy by God. We're all image bearers of God. Persons loved by God. In fact, God accepts us before we even do or achieve or produce anything. That's what our baptism is all about. We're baptized as infants or even as adults, not because we have something going for us, but simply because we are God's own. And Sabbath is a way for us to live this baptismal message. Don Postema reminds us, our identity and dignity are given by God who created and redeemed us. We do not work to merit salvation. It is given to us. We cease our work on Sabbath so that God will be at work within us. God doesn't depend on anything we do to love us. God loves us because we are his. The Gospel of Luke tells of a time Jesus healed a woman. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over, laid his hands on her, and she was healed. And immediately she straightened up. The religious leaders were angry that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. I mean, they figured there were six days for work. She should not have been healed on any. She should have been healed on one of those days. But Jesus notes their hypocrisy. He says, look, you will untie your donkey or your ox on the Sabbath and you'll lead it out in order to give water. And then he says this. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Jesus acknowledges her identity, daughter of Abraham, and sets her free from Satan, who has been her taskmaster for these 18 years. She doesn't belong to Satan. She is by grace a child of God. Sabbath is a time for us to put off one identity, slaves to Satan or slaves to this world or slaves to anything that binds us. And Sabbath is a time for us to take up our true identity, freed children of God. Sabbath is a time for us to practice the truth that God loves us and that God calls us his own. It's a time for us to cease all those things that try to identify us. Money, work, status, reputations, plans, projects, accomplishments, and so on. Mark Buchanan notes, Sabbath is turning over to God all those things that we're otherwise tempted to hold tight in our closed fists, hold on for dear life. Sabbath affords us the time to release to God all the things about us that are not of God. And Sabbath is a time to affirm our true identity. We're not under the yoke of slavery. Not only are we children of God, in the Gospel of John, Jesus calls us his friends. We are friends of God. So Sabbath is a time when we remember our friendship with God. A time to release what holds us, to enjoy our friendship with God.
So I'd like to finish this morning with a letting go exercise. An exercise just to help us cease. Here's what I'd like you to do. Get comfortable in your seat. Put your hands on your lap with your palms up. And I'd like you to think of the things in your life that hinder your relationship with God. What keeps you from praying? What interferes with you finding Sabbath time? What disturbs your life increases your anxiety? What holds you captive enslaves you to something that is not God? Pile all those things Joys, sorrows, anxieties, concerns, plans, pressures, hopes. Pile them all in your hands like heaps of sand. Now close your hands and clench your fists as you are, as if you are holding all these things tightly. Hang on to them. Squeeze as hard as you can. Experience how tightly you hold on to all these things. Now hear God's invitation. Stop. Cease. Observe the Sabbath. Let it be a sign to you that the Lord has made you holy. Once you were slaves. But now God has brought you out. Gradually open your hands. Let all of those concerns flow out through your fingers. Relax. And be in God's presence. God is God. You are not. And Sabbath is an invitation to cease your striving. To stop. So that you can remember your identity in God. Please join me in prayer. Lord of the Sabbath, it's hard for us to stop striving, to stop working, and harder still to stop worshiping works and idolizing our own efforts. We confess that our busyness often substitutes for our holiness. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to be still enough to know you. Help us to understand that the Sabbath is what keeps us from unraveling. That it knits up the harried and makes us holy. That it celebrates our release from the taskmasters of life and the brokenness of the fall. We thank you for the gift of your Sabbath. Amen.